All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. I think the thing that fucks up roll call in the, in the virtual sense is the yes. You know, like if everybody just went around and did their thing without the yes. Oh, that's the fun part. The fun <laughs> part of roll call is laughing at each other's roll call. What if we played Fair. it, and, but the uh, guest did theirs live, but I was pre recorded so they could hear it? We play it back. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right, my good people, uh, welcome to another episode of Quest Love Supreme life's great rabbit hole as i've been dubbing it um my name is Questlove, uh, your host and of course we have team supreme effect uh we got laia yay out there. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. i have to say laia you're in los angeles right now How, how's it going for you out there it's just uh, it's, i'm scared to answer that question i will say this we are allowed well, by to the go. time this comes on air, you know, by the time that comes on air, we'll be allowed to eat outside again, because I hear mm. that we were the only ones on in the country that couldn't go outside. Look at these nails. Couldn't get out. I went to a black market nail salon. They had a black curtain on the window. You had to knock on the door. This is what we're doing. Wow. Now. An underground joint. Okay. Yeah. Shit is real. <laughs> Dedicated. Be careful. All right. When I last spoke to you, it was one in 13 people. Now it's one in 11. I, I don't want the number to go down mm-hmm. the way. One and seven. We're so. getting better. We're getting better. Be careful. All right. All right. Sugar Steve, you cool? Yeah, you know, I'm in the same city you are. New York, we're uh, at a... Yeah, but things time. are popping for you. You got a new network, a new show, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything's going fine for me personally, but, you know, city's a mess. Country's a mess. Whatever. Well, we've we always been a mess, man, but, you know. That's that's one you share with the class. We ain't as messy as he was like, last month. Don't do that. I'm not scared. Hold me. Hold me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm Paybill. You okay, yeah. bro? I built a bar in my garage. Oh, oh great! You, you ordered online. <laughs> that I ordered. I remember. online. It's so completed. it's fully set up right now. It has neon lights and shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I needed something to do, so I did it. Just a one of one. You have a bar for one. Yeah, my kids sit at it. It's a little 
misdirection. Yeah, goal. you want to keep your kids away from the bar. Yeah, though. and the pole. Their so. dad, they're going to go that way eventually. Just want to be able to drink in every single room in his house, including the garage. Absolutely. So we do All with right. COVID. We, well, shit, one episode we just might have to take over j- drink champs and, you know, bring out bring out the alcohol here. Absolutely. Like Quest Love Supreme, you know. Was that a plug? I see Laia frowning that I gave another no, I was podcast excited. a plug. No, like we anyway, Fontigolo, okay. uh, how, how's it down in North Carolina, man? I'm good, bro. We, we chilling. It's good. Um, I mean, they trying to open up the schools where they, where they thought about doing it because the kids had they testing, like the state test. And right. um, I didn't send my son. I was just like, fuck that. Like, he ain't going. And um, they were just like, well, he can make it up. We'll try to make it up later in June or whatever. I said, well, whatever. He ain't going. And literally the next day <laughs> after we, like, when we pulled him, we was like, because he's been home the whole time. Literally right. the next day they had, like, two cases pop up. And wow, it's whoa. been, they we do it now, but we pretty much uh, get texts and emails from the principal yep. every time a new case. And for about the so, past, like, two weeks, I've gotten, it's been a new case, like, every day. Yep. They, and so, um, you know, we've been in the house, man. I mean, I, I still do my walks around the hood and everything, but uh, I'm cooling, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the distinct honor of uh, dissecting and exploring the uh, the third rail or brain of one of the, the, the most, I will say, probably one of the most feared, respected, and uh, astonishing MCs. I don't, I don't, I don't want to use uh, bad colloquialisms when describing great you know they always say like oh this person's a monster oh man he's a killer no this <laughs> probably and a, an assassin yeah yeah no i i feel our, our guest today is probably one of the most beautiful things about the culture of hip-hop be it as one half of one of the most loved duos of the mid-90s with organized confusion his own catalog is is nothing to sneeze at um, he's constantly pushing the boundaries of what one can do in this art form. He's usually the favorite of your favorite MCs. I don't know if that's a tired cliche. Like, I wonder if MCs MCs get tired of hearing themselves being Monte, MCs. You, get MCs. Tired. <laughs> you know, uh, nah, nah, man, that's an honor. I mean, that's respected. That shows you respected by the people. They really do the craft. You know what I'm saying? True, and true. That's. I mean, that's the highest honor. Well, he's here with us today, so uh, please give it up for the one and only Pharaoh Munch. To yes, indeed. Bam, 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 bam. That's what I hear. I didn't want to say it, but dun, 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 dun. <laughs> where, where, where are you right now? Uh, I'm in the basement of the house in Queens, uh, just chilling out through a wintry See? mix of snow and ice right now. And like Fonte said, man, I take my walks and then it's back inside, you know. Uh, okay. I'm compromised because I'm asthmatic, so I just been like same here, bro. Real low, yeah, yeah, same here. So I, I can't, yeah. I can't fuck around. So yeah. you've been loyal to Queens this entire time for your whole career, pretty much. I moved, I moved out to LA for a couple of months to work on stuff, and um, it was cool for a couple of months. Then to Brooklyn, and then back to Queens. So I'm back in Queens. Um, okay, so I know that our audience cannot see your zoom right now <laughs> but all, i will all say the that action figures <laughs> yeah i was gonna say of all of our guests on the show you probably have the most interesting background right now well next to biz at least um you have a very interesting action figure collection behind you right now like 
Yeah, I kind of lost my mind during this pandemic. Uh, <laughs> we all like did. Like I man. said, <laughs> I've been diligent, so uh, all I could do is like order stuff and go crazy. So I went batshit crazy with the action figures, and they kind of it worked, man. They keep me kind of stable, man. I love my action figures. There's some rare pieces that I caught uh, cat on uh, Instagram who I follow. Uh, put me onto a lot of a lot of different dope joints and a lot of different companies, and I just lost my mind. Like, I just got these uh these Air Jordans for my Miles Morales in the mail just now. Like, you know, so I just oh wait, so you dr- <laughs> wait a minute, I thought you meant actual Jordans. You're dressing up your action figures in Jordans, exactly. And they're just as, they're rare to get as well. They're hard to get. They're hard to get. Um, ah. they just they just redid a couple of. Uh, companies who are doing them custom for this for the you know miles morales spider-man please tell me please tell me they're not the same price as a full <laughs> pair of kids no 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 okay. no 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 okay. 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 yes yeah, just five hundred dollars not fifteen thousand <laughs> <laughs> no that's interesting so like your 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 uh your passions with the action figures any anything else in the in the the pop culture kind of barrel that I you mean, collect you know, I'm not a collector, uh, a little bit on the sneaker side, but I, I calmed down with that. You know, it got a little bit ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm not ahead, but I will catch a couple of pieces if it's if it's something interesting. But this during this whole thing, man, it's just been movies and action figures. And movies <laughs> and action figures. What's the last joint? Uh, what's the last joint you saw, uh, movie wise? That was, that was, that was worth last? talking. I mean, I, I've been watching a lot of stuff over and over again on repeat. Or revisiting. Uh, revisiting. And um, what I really, what really blew me away was the Mandalorian huh. series. Okay. Yeah. That just took me, you know, I waited so long for the Star Wars series to get good and I never thought it would. And the movies were starting to get so disappointing. But then the series was just like, it was, it was good and bad in a way. I felt like I had to wait, wait till I get, got this old. For them to get this good with it, <laughs> you know. So Mandalorian is is worth investing in. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you when did it get you? Like when it, it was when it when did the uh, was it episode one? Was it? It was off the rip. Like yeah, I, I was yeah. a, I was shying away from getting that uh the Disney app. I'm like I'm not Me getting too. This shit. Yes. And then everybody no. kept talking about it, and uh yeah, it was worth Mandalorian is worth getting the app for. It's that good in my opinion. yo. I'm gonna make a suggestion, bro. If you have a chance, whenever you get a chance, check out the sound of metal. I think you would love it. Oh, that's the uh, that's the joint where the drummer loses his hearing. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what? That shit. Oh my god. Amir, you it's, don't know about this? Uh, Wait, the Huey Lewis story again? Nah. Wait, <laughs> you know, what I'm like, like for real. Nah, it's uh, it's uh, your boy uh, Riz Ahmed, and um, yeah. he plays a drummer that loses hearing. He's a heavy metal drummer. And I mean, you know, it's every musician's worst nightmare, but yeah. that shit is a great fucking flick. It's it's a beautiful flick. Which streaming service is that, Fonte? You got it. It's on. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's on Amazon. Amazon. Ah, like, okay. Like the whole the whole sounds the whole soundscaping of how they show you how mm-hmm. he's going losing his hearing is incredible. Oh, wow. Nah, the incredible. sound design of that shit is amazing. Yeah. 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 All right, I'm on it. I gotta see it. I gotta mm-hmm. see it. I just got done small acts, so. Watch I that. haven't watched all I of them. Started. I watched the the Lovers Rock one, but I haven't seen all the other ones. Oh, okay. Should yeah, I no, watch in sequence, Amir? Is that or? Yeah, uh, yeah watch it in order. Okay. I've, right. I've, everyone's, most Jamaicans that I know 
rock with the the second one, Lovers Rock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna that's, start with that one because the other one starts. That's a very me. unique joint. Yeah, okay. but I th- I think you'll 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 like it. Like okay, it. but if we shout now, we, I'm gonna shout out Night in Miami and then I'm done. Okay. Okay. Riverdale. One night in Miami. River, Riverdale. <laughs> Wait, you're just watching Riverdale, Steve. Riverdale yeah. is pretty good. Steve is <laughs> Steve is good for like is Steve will be like real like nonchalant with like most pop culture things. But then he'll just come back with like Get more girls. Yeah, I watch Real Housewives of Atlanta or like <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I don't watch that. But I have a question though. Um and then hopefully we could get to that, Into the, the show. Interview. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mandalorian has something to do with Star Wars. Yes. Steven, yeah, it's, it's a, no, don't don't chastise I'm sorry, him, yo. I'm sorry. Star right. Wars been fell off, and they're lucky that we're still talking about them forty but years later. Everybody know yo. about Little Yoda. I mean, he's not Yoda. It's not Yoda, but Little Yoda, yeah, baby Yoda. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mandalorian is like their series on the Disney Channel, and apparently, it's as good, at least to the people of my age that are real Star Wars heads, like they're. They're very happy with the results. It's of better it, than so. the last three Star Wars movies. Okay, I'm on. Yeah, it. for sure. Well, I saw one of them that I liked, but I I don't know which one that was. And don't worry so. about it. You forgot it already. You only saw it once. You saw Return of Jedi fifteen times. Okay. No, no, I don't mean those three. I'm talking about the I know. of the J.J. Abrams variety. Mm-hmm. That one. Saw it once. But anyway, all right. So with okay, were you born in Queens? Yes, sir. Born and raised Queens, New York, Jamaica. Jamaica, Southside, Jamaica. Okay. What? What? Uh. Okay. So I only know my New York knowledge is just limited to whatever rappers rapping at the moment. So, <laughs> like, what was your peer area like? Like, who? What notable MCs that you would know of that that you knew of before you became notable or they became notable? I mean, I, I was ahead, man. It's like, and I'm and and I'm older shit. So I came up during the Park Jam era. So it was like, you know, uh, urban legend dudes like Grandmaster Vic and, and the Boss Crew and just local hip-hop crews that were doing park jams that I was, mm-hmm. you know, inspired by. And like Nas said, like just way too afraid to ever get on the mic in those moments. And then it shifted to Mikey D, uh, the incredible Mikey D in the LL era. And I still was too afraid to get on the mic in those jams and wasn't ready. And then by the time, you know, I started going to high school and developing organized confusion, you know, uh, that's when it was like, uh, you know, Large Pro and Lost Boys and all those cats in the, in the area. Right. So you were there for the first, you, you have memories of like the first generation of hip hop in Queens? Oh, definitely. I mean, I was a, I was a, a shorty. But it was it was cats jamming. I mean, that's what what attracted me to the whole thing. Like, you know, not to sound cliche, but you could hear the music rocking mm-hmm. from down the block, and you know, crowds and forties, and you know, you just it'll never go back to that. And there was an air about that, and even the uh, the danger of the shootouts, and you know, it was just a different time and a different feeling, and uh, culturally at that point. I was like, I, I need to be a part of this, but I just wasn't ready. Okay. What was your family into? Like, what, what type of household did you grow up in? What was your your home situation? Um. Yeah, man. I, both parents, gospel on the mom's side, jazz on the pop side. My older brother was heavy into 
the rock which is you know why i gravitated to that a lot you know deep purple zeppelin rush and all Mm -hmm. the whole rest of it then my next brother was like you know james brown and, and funk and my sister was michael jackson so i had the whole gamut and i just you know just that whole 70s thing i think we all did and um just soaked it all in you know were your parents native new yorkers uh no nah, they're from virginia they moved to new york when they had me you're the youngest i'm the youngest yeah now, do you remember the first album that you purchased <sighs> or was it all just trickled down from your older brothers and sisters <laughs> hip-hop album or album just album period. I, I want to. St- yeah. uh, we'll start with that because I, I have a come to Jesus moment with hip hop. So your very first record. My first record I purchased was Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good no, one. that's real. Y'all make, y'all make hey, no, my dude. Right I'm, now. Man, shit. <laughs> we I all watched it when I was seven. Documentary. Yeah, them niggas dude, got jams. I got that shit when I was seven. You know, you. Okay, that's understandable. Concert-wise, do you remember your first one? Did you go to concerts a lot when you were a kid or see performances? I didn't. I wasn't a big concert goer when when I and I regret it, you know, because I missed so many opportunities and uh, I'm so ashamed. Like uh, I never, I I I, I never saw Prince mm-hmm. live. Like it's just so. I, I I know your relationship with that guy, but it's just things like that that I that I regret. Also, you know. It was we were in Queens, and it was a journey to get to where everything was anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I was kind of like nerd dude too. So I wasn't venturing out that much back then, like that. Okay. So, what was your come to Jesus moment, at least with hip hop, as far as that's concerned? Like, were you just casually rapping around the way, or was this this thing where you were watching MCs on the block and decided that's what I want to do? Like, what was your Mm. introduction to that world i was a i was a crazy ill asthmatic and i knew i had to make a choice that wasn't physical in terms of what i was going to do with my my life in terms of my livelihood wasn't happening fireman wasn't happening garbage man wasn't happening so um, i was an artist so i went to a high school of art and design big up to kwame big up to prodigy mob deep Oh, you went Table, to that school? Yeah, went to that same school. Shit. And in that school was just a plethora of culture. Black books, graffiti, just hip-hop culture was rich at the time. And I just, you know, before it became, you know, cool even to be an MC or get a record deal, I knew I had to be invested in the culture. So uh, I'm very thankful for those moments because... You know, I was pop blocking and, you know, I was I was way too heavy to get on the ground and do a windmill or some shit. So I knew I couldn't be a break dancer, but I was just trying to get into the culture however I could in that time frame. And um, it was around 11th grade that I was like, fuck the art shit. I'm going to express myself through this, 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 this hip hop. Even then, I was beatboxing. I didn't, you know, I had no voice. I was, I was horrible at it. Met Prince Poe, had a uh, my friend Ty Stick who had turntables, and I was like, "Yo, let's go and try and develop something." 
uh, made a couple of demo tapes, took them home and listened to them. And I'm thankful again to be able to listen. You know, I listened back to those tapes when I took them home and I was like, you're horrible at this shit, you know? <laughs> and it, you still have the, those tapes? Was, I do. It was the wackiest shit I ever yes. heard. But I was lucky. I was lucky to be able to hear that I wasn't good. And it didn't sound like the dudes in the park. And it didn't sound like the stuff on the radio, which made me say, you got to work at this shit, bro. You know, I was able to say that to myself before I let anybody hear what we were doing. <laughs> but between you and Poe, who's the oldest um, between y'all? I'm I'm probably the oldest by a couple of months. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, y'all um y'all and y'all both went to the same school. Y'all was in the same yeah, yeah, yeah. class. Whatever. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And both of you were art majors. Oh man, back then they had what was called rotation, so we were able to do photography, computer graphics, architecture. It was just the school was an amazing, you know, uh, array of different cultures from kids from different backgrounds. It really shaped, obviously, a lot of the people who went to that school. So that was a blessing in itself. I know, or at least I know from uh, the folklore of it all, that I believe you were one of the last artists to work with Paul C. And I assume that this is pre-organized, or at least pre-record deal, pre Hollywood basics. Where where did he enter the story and how you know he's he's one of the most loved mythical figures uh that I've heard of in hip hop. Like everyone has these like incredible words, but I can never get any story about his work ethic or, or anything about him. Like what was his role in uh well you were simply too positive before organized confusion, right? I believe. Yeah, man. We were we were simply too positive. We had just left like a local label situation and, and went off on our journey to start working on our first demo. I, I thought I was finding my voice at the moment. I was starting to get some props with the bars as an MC. And uh, we went into the legendary 1212 to work on some demos. In 1212 at the time was a probably 17 year old large professor in the corner just on a machine i didn't know what he was doing and uh we had went to the studio with some records laid some vocals and during the time we were laying vocals um paul c was an engineer at twelve twelve as well as a producer he walked into our session to get some wires and he was like pardon me excuse me i don't mean to interrupt your session got some wires and he left mm -hmm. next day i got a phone call from him i don't know how he got the number and he was like, I heard what y'all was doing. I think y'all got talent. I would love to work with y'all. And I had asthma attack. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, was was he at least, you know, I, I don't know what year this was. Was this at least post-Ultramagnetic yeah, it was, BDP it, it era? Was, right. He had that, he had that status of, of working with Ultra, Super Lover C, uh, and even uh, maybe some early rock him stuff at the time, if I if I if I can remember. Mm -hmm. So it was just you know, if if you can imagine, it was just like the ultimate phone call. So um, we went in and worked with him, and I I brought in some different things that we were working on, and uh, he was a stickler for truncation and programming. You know, gave a lot of tutelage to large 
And I credit both of them for a lot of that early SB 1200 uh, manipulation. Uh, it was very early on and they were really doing some real amazing work with that. Mm-hmm. And um, why I love Paul C is that I went in to, to do a song and like a lot of MCs at that time, I went past the 16 bar measure. He stops the session, closes the session and sends me home. Like when you learn how to count bars, come back and talk to me. And I, I thought I was, <laughs> wow. I, you know, I was getting a little name at the time and nobody had ever told me some shit like that, but he was just like, who's your favorite, you know, artist. I'm like PE. He was like, go listen to those records. Learn how to fucking rap. Learn how to count. Till you do that, don't come back to the studio. So that was the first like dude who wasn't a yes man and started to help us shape our voices and right. understand how to make records. Um, we made really, really four good songs for the demo with him that went on to touch Bobito's hands and Russell Simmons' hands. And, you know, but more than that, you know, he just used to invite us to his crib. He had a record, uh, insane record collection, played drums. It's like, even in this conversation, there's no need to mention that he was white because he was just an entity of like some soul spirit or some Mm -hmm. shit, you know? And so mm-hmm. funky and whatever. And uh back then was that uh the novelty, like, yo, how does this white boy know our shit better than us? Or like how you know? Uh, you know, it's funny, man, it's like, you know, you have to put these things in context. In that moment, I don't I don't think we gave a fuck. Like we really didn't. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't even uh Yeah. It wasn't even a question. We were just like, we need good shit. Yeah. You make and I think shit, too, you know. And I think too, at that time, hip hop was so kind of young. I don't even know if we were thinking about it as "quote unquote" ours. You know what I'm saying? In terms right. of black people, like, yo, this is our shit. It was, right. it was so new that mm-hmm. if you found someone else that was into it, whether they were black, white, whatever, it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, they fuck with hip hop just like me. Like, it, it, that right. didn't happen till later on. Right. And so uh, we we developed a personal relationship outside of the music. I remember us going to see Batman and, you know, him putting the Raisinets in the popcorn and like, yo, you're not up on this <laughs> shit? I'm like, Raisinets in the pot, You know, just cool, cool moments. And then the, the tragedy is we finished the demo. It was, it was touching people's hands and we were getting a buzz and he got murdered. And that's kind of like the first of a line of kind of like traumatic tragic things that happen and so me and prince you know had to go forward and try to get a record deal but we didn't have our guy our Mm kind of guide and that's why that first album is like really kind of experimental because in that moment we lost the, the the master ranger and we just was like taking records to the studio and shit and looping stuff and just doing ideas and you know went back to fuck the bar count, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that release so of hypnotic gases, that was no bar count on that joint. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, had 
had a situation not turn out, had it turn out, he would have probably been the main producer of Organized Confusion. Absolutely. Wow. 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 Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Now, the way that the source first introduced you guys to the world, like they made such a big deal of Disney mm-hmm. having a record label mm-hmm. that, you know, it was kind of like, wait a minute, there's a rap group on Di-. like, like the way they did mm-hmm. it. I didn't see it as like Hollywood basic, like just, mm-hmm. I don't even know why they had to put like a subsidiary of Disney records. So I kind of like pushed it to the side. Like, eh, I lowered mm-hmm. my expectations a lot and I jumped on the, you know, once I heard instrumentals and whatnot, then it was like, yo, that Disney rap group really is dope. Like, <laughs> I, I just kept. Because <laughs> I, I think, because real rap, the only thing they had on Hollywood was like, it was y'all. And I remember you, Lifers Group, like the the, the jail Lifers niggas group. that made the album. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Lifers Group. I produced a record for them. Me and Prince produced a record for those groups. And we literally went into the prison and had to do that shit. And a first tell me about that shit. Security prison. That's a whole nother story. No, 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 I've never heard this story. So, you know, we're on the label and we got a little buzz, you know, from, you know, underground shit, fudge, fudge, yada, yada. And they're like, yo, you know, Dave Funk and Klein, let me just give you a little history on him. Yes, I was going to ask you about him, yeah. Right, is responsible for like Brain Tribe and Jungle Brothers over to the Europe scene. Very instrumental and um in, in that whole thing and breaking a lot of things over there in Europe. Um he's that he was that dude and um he was a visionary and I guess he, he got himself a record label over there and got himself a nice team with Tim Reed. You know, and so it was it was it was live. They just didn't have the aesthetic. You know, their aesthetic was fucked up <laughs> with the Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but, Wait a minute. You mean Tim Reed the third? The same Tim Reed that Wait, worked with us at MCS? Yes. Yeah, Yo, that Tim do you Reed, have Tim Reed's 12-inch that he will never share with me? Do you have that? Do you have <laughs> it? Right, Please don't read it. So, um, going to the prison. Yeah. Uh, Rollway State Prison in New Jersey. Uh, it, the group was called Lifers Group because all the members doing were life. doing life sentences. <sighs> Dave Funkenklein thought this would be a great idea because you don't get no harder than cats that are doing life in prison. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. <laughs> but hey, cut the check, we'll go produce the record. And I never forget going in there my first time in a uh, uh, maximum security prison, they slammed the gates behind us and they tasked me and Prince with picking from 10 inmates, the five right. that would be in the group. Can you already see the tragic mistake that that is? <laughs> so these guys had to rap and we had to pick which ones oh. was the best. Wow. Oh no! I was like, "This is going. This is this is going to go terribly wrong." <laughs> and and uh, I remember, you know, we picked the five. Go away for a week. Working on the music, they were working on the songs. 
when we go to come back, we're like, what's up with the other two guys we picked? Shanked. Wow. <laughs> no. wow. No. No. You're yeah, they... no longer in the group. You have to pick another two. And then, you know? No. Man, come on. It, it, was, it was that wild. Holy shit. It was shit. that wild. And yeah, so you so. did y'all like make the beats in the prison and everything or like tracked and everything? We 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 tracked some stuff in the prison, brought like, you know, a, a portable recorder to the mm. prison for them to record. Oh my god, y'all killing me. Yo, right? This is the greatest story <laughs> ever on the I've never heard of shit. All the years we've known each other, I've I had no I've idea you produced fucking lifers group, dude. Yeah, man. We did two songs on that project. Yeah. Wow. I gotta find this. <laughs> wow. Did like you ever keep in touch with any of those guys afterwards? Did they write or, or whatever? Or he you did, did tracks and got the hell on. Next, yo, you should see the look in his eyes. Like next question, please. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> wow. Moving oh on. Oh my god. Okay, so were there any other options besides Hollywood Basic, and why were were they chosen uh, to be the home of organized confusion? Barbito was a and R at uh, Def Jam's at the time. He was like, right. "This demo is insane. I love this demo. I love these guys. I just did uh, uh, him and Stretch the other day. He's still, you know, my peoples and my fans. It's been so many years. We 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 we've been tight and cool. And he had the demo, and he had Nas's demo. And he took them to Russell. And he was like, "These two demos are amazing." And Russell Simmons rejected. Both demos. Oh God, yeah, that's one brand for Russell. Positive, yeah, simply yeah. too positive and not turn them both down. And then um, we were like, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" Got the offer from the Hollywood Basic. That was kind of really nice offer for underground hip hop back then. And we were like, "Hey, fuck it, we'll 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 fly to we'll fly to Disneyland and you know <laughs> and record whatever." And then last minute, I seen Russell in a club, and he was like, you know what? I've been listening to you guys' demo. Call me tomorrow. Let's have a conversation. So we're like, mm. oh, shit, Def Jams. Oh, shit. And uh, we called Russell Simmons the next day to talk about a deal, and he said, first off, simply too positive is the worst fucking name in hip hop that I've ever heard. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gotta change the name. Gotta change the fucking name. And we were like, nah, it's STP, you know, STP, you know, the oil. And oh, he yeah. was like, that shit is the most fucked up name I've ever heard in hip hop. <laughs> it just sounds no like a I'm venereal sign. disease. <laughs> <laughs> no way I'm signing y'all with that name. Like, All right, we got to come up with a better name. We got to come up with an ill name. That's how we into organized confusion took us 48 hours seen an organized confunction record organized confusion wow. oh wait yeah. that's how you named the group organized confusion yep from the confunction you know, album yep we were like oxymoron boop 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 sounds good you're this i'm that you could do these moves i could do that moves you could wear this i could wear that let's do it <laughs> <laughs> wow let's up. do it and you went back to Russell like, okay, we changed our names. So now what's up? Okay, we changed our names. Now what's up? <laughs> and uh, he offered us like 
80 grand. Hollywood basic deal was like 150 grand. Yeah. And so we took the money. Hey. Okay. As you damn well should have. <laughs> I see. Because this is what, in 90, what? Like, you remember, like, what year it was? 80, 90? Probably 90. Might be 91, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that yeah, was time Def the Jam, they came was hurting. Out. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that period of Def Jam. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 would, I would, you know, I just feel like I heard these rumors of getting shelved and shit never coming out and mm-hmm. these horror stories. And I was like, ah, I don't want to go down that road, you know? That's crazy. Well, at least then, because I know like Reek and I used to dream of being on Def Jam. Like, everybody did. Yeah. So it was such a, it's like going to Motown. Like, so for you to, Make the what you felt was the wiser decision of the group. I mean that that's that says a lot of what was Def Jam at the time for you to yeah. walk away from this fabled hip hop utopian space and just go to Mickey Mouse's new home. <laughs> yeah. um, I've made a lot. I've made more terrible decisions on on, on the way on the road too. But I don't know, man. I don't know if that I don't know if it would have worked out. Who's to say? You know? Um, do you you know, I know uh, at least from if I get it a little bit, then I know you get it a lot. Do you kind of roll your eyes at like super fans who salivate over you know, I, I mean there's so much especially with well, I guess with all three with with Equinox and Stress and or and the the the, the self titled record, the the folklore of it or like, is it? I know like sometimes Tariq is frustrated where like every MC after MC comes up and praises his work, but then it's like you don't necessarily see the evidence of of you know your hard work and i mean does it get tiring hearing that year after year of like how much you influenced me and how much you influenced me and mm-hmm. yet this couldn't translate in the sales and you know at least to that level of what it was back in 91 definitely i think after the first record we were a little bit perplexed um because we we saw a little bit of you know play and whatever but we were inexperienced, so we chalked it off to that. You know, I, I, I'm one to believe you have to stay in love with the shit, but I, I can see how during that era, a lot of cats were finding out more and more about the industry was kind of not sure about this girl anymore, like kind of falling out of love with it. And um, I kind of decided that can't do this unless you're going to love it, love it, love it, love it, regardless to the outcome. And so I stayed in love and we moved on from the self-titled record to the stress record. And I think we, you know, started to really find our voices around that record, you know, got a little more love and uh, pushed a little more forward with, with the stress record and a couple of joints off there in terms of folklore and uh, different songs on that record. And then I think, you know, we had it with Mickey Mouse after that record. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we moved on to... Uh, priority, right? Yeah, we moved on to Priority, where it was, it was weird because at the time they 
they had kind of signed a bunch of established people and they I didn't see where they didn't break any records and I I was feeling like we still needed to be broken as a group even though we were t- two albums deep and we worked mm-hmm. on that last one and we really put a lot into it you know I was trying to do this whole story thing and back and mm-hmm. forward you know put a lot of effort into it a little bit of love a lot of bit of love. I think people saw it. It's very difficult to do those type of records and make them make sense anyway. I love I that record, that. man. Like, yeah, thank you. Like, I, I love good. that record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people will be like, yo, that's my favorite one of the three, but, you know. It's right. my favorite so, one of the three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which one? But Equinox, because that, mm-hmm. that came out like 97, so that was my yeah. freshman year at Central. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember getting my refund check and running the goddamn Willies records and tapes. Willies. And <laughs> I bought a gang of shit. <laughs> and I bought the, I bought the Equinox. Man, yo, I, remember, I remember when I first, yeah, I remember when I first met you. You were like, yo, I love this record and I love the skits and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. who did? Yeah, I mean, who did the the Sir Winston Howard McQueen? Who was that? Was that you? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. So my 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 guy, uh, Brian Fleming, who's a writer now, he mm-hmm. found this guy in the neighborhood. Like I think he was in a liquor store, and this dude was like, and he was like, "Hey, man, you want to do some skits on this album?" For- <laughs> <laughs> wow. He just had this voice, and uh, we just nice brought voice him is fucking studio. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, it just it just hit me that um, I believe the first time that I heard of OC was on your first Fudge album. Fudge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how? Yeah, how did uh, how did he get down uh, with the click? In, in OC recording? OC had moved from Brooklyn across the street from from me in the neighborhood. You know, back then we were playing, you know, two-hand touch in the street and still playing basketball and all that shit. And, you know, I would knock on people's doors and be like, yo, we get in the game. You want to play? And, you know, one day he was like, yo, I rap. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) And he rhymed and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. This kid might be a problem. And um, we just, you know, started hanging out and we would we would trade and, and spar and he would be like, yo, I wrote something. And he would come over to the house, do verses and rap over, you know, pause tapes and shit. And I was like, yo, man, you, you got it, man. You got something special. I just think he, for me, OC always had a, a knack for pocket, you know, just just command of pocket mm-hmm. that I could never obtain it's just something people have that's just they lock in (laughs) you know wow so yeah he lived right across the street from me yo what's up this is fonte fontigolo from team supreme black representation in media is very important to me i think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences some of my earliest influences were donnie simpson I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. 
Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic. So slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. On the, the, um, the Stress album, I always wanted to know, this, this shows you how much of a, a dweeb I am. I believe your stress review in the source was the infamous Tupac Hellraiser issue. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that they had you write hip hop's very first op-ed, I believe. Yep. Yeah, when you talk about like you, the rhymes you wrote and you clicked on the SP and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yep, I remember. Oh, that's that. funny. Yep. You remember that part? I just remember the 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 Chinese chicken wing. <laughs> <laughs> Take out Chinese food ref- reference that shows you how different we are. This is super nerdy. I, I remember the food reference. No, that I, you know that was not, history won't won't pan out how crucial that that issue of the source was to hip hop's future. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because basically, I feel like that that Tupac cover is what built the myth and the legend of Tupac, and you know, it's one of their highest selling issues. Mm-hmm. But I also remember it simply because the 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 you know, you guys had the lead review for that album, and 
you know, that's the first time that I heard of like, like a separation. Like, okay, so there's underground hip hop, and then there's accessible, easy to understand hip hop. You know, it was almost as if the the the, the reviewer of the album was kind of at a crossroads because he in his heart felt that this was the perfect album he was listening to. Mm-hmm. But because he knew that it was going to go over everyone's heads, he might have to take a, a, a mic away. So it was, yeah. it was almost we like... Four, we got four mics. Yeah, yeah, I got four. I remember that. Right. But it, he basically said, I would give this album a five, but because this is so above the head of anyone else that I, you know, I just have to take a mic away because it's too smart. I, I, I was crushed. That's another I moment. Was crushed. I was crushed. That's another <laughs> moment where I was like, you know what? I don't know if I want to do this shit anymore because I'm starting to see that uh, this shit is not based on the merits of. Nah, it ain't even based on the music stuff. either. Yeah. yeah. It's, and mm-hmm. so that those are the things like in the relationship, if you will, with the music, you start to question your commitment and your love to it, and you have to keep reassessing and and recommitting yourself to it. But that was one of the moments I was like, "You're going to start this article off with." I would have gave them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I kept, I kept like I, I guess I um, vicariously was living through you guys. You know, because at that moment, we were just starting to make our record. And then, you know, when I read that, I was like, oh, man, he's basically saying that this album's too smart for its own good. And had they just did a little bit of terra firma, down to earth, like make it normal, I would have easily shown why this is a five mic record. And that always haunted me. But I never, ever got to ask you how that felt like. You're dope, but you're you're too dope. So we have to penalize penalize you for that. It was crushing. I mean, I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I expected a five. It was a solid record, and I, I thought we had a chance to get a five. And then, you know, I I would have been fine if you wouldn't have put that bit in there. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. these guys almost moved me to a ooh. But right. I'm not going to do that because you rapped about particles of molecules and fucking, right. you know, or whatever <laughs> the case may be. So, you know. You remember who the writer was on that review? Was it like the original Mind Squad dudes? Yeah, it was. Ah, damn. That, that's the one. Was it Ryan Rowe? Shit. My, my, all my, my sources at, at, at yeah. work. Uh, right. I remember around the time, Pharaoh, you, um, I read an interview around the time of Equinox. And you were saying that um, I think Poe was saying, like, yo, let's get back in the studio. Let's go at it again. And you told him, like, look, man, I got to be real. Like, my heart really ain't in this shit, you know, right yeah. now. Um, what was that like? Yeah. yeah. I, it was. I, I can't remember what it was. It, I, damn, I mean, it's I like, imagine it had to be like a source. <laughs> yeah. He was. And I, I read it. I was like, damn, like, he being real. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, what was that like for, for you and Poe kind of that um, – for y'all to both be in different places and um how did that affect y'all both you know personally and professionally in terms of y'all relationship i mean we good and 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 we was good then i felt it only right to go to him you know talk to him how i was feeling 
I was crushed at the results of the last record. We put a lot into it. It ended it ended with uh, the group getting dropped from priority. And that kind of hurt my ego, but um, gave me some time to after we had worked so hard on that record. And I was like, I definitely, you know, talking to myself and, and sleeping on it, I definitely don't feel like going back in the studio right now. That's the last thing I want to do. So I need some time to uh, kind of recoup and assess my relationship with music again. And I, cause I knew it was important, you know, you need to love, love, love. You need to love this shit. And I knew I loved it, but I need to, uh, needed to take a step back. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had that discussion with him. I'm like, I'm tapped out. Like I'm really tapped out. I need to take a hiatus. And during that time, I realized that I just had a lot of, um, personal things that uh if i was to um recommit myself to this that i needed to get off my chest that i even felt would be unfair to drag him into um because you know in a group you're sharing so much and you're you're making these uh compromises and you're making these uh you know decisions collectively to put records together and I just uh, came out on the other side. Like, I, I really felt it would be selfish to drag him. I felt like I would be dragging him into these ideas that I was having. And so went back to him again and was like, yo, I think I'm going to try to vomit some of this uh, <laughs> stuff out. And he uh, he was like, yo, man, you got my blessings. You know what I mean? So love, man. <laughs> I went on that journey. I, I have... Uh actually three creative questions about your work in organized confusion. Well, for starters, how do you guys build ideas and your songs? Is it, well, first of all, with, even with the production, you know, do you guys work on beats separate or is it, was it a collaborative effort? And that, that like, does the concept of the song come at the beginning or does it just, Whoever adds the verse first, then that's the concept of the song. As soon as we landed the deal, we went out and got SB 1200s and we started just banging out beats with, with the crew of Cats and, and, and Queens as well, who, who were the organisms. And they were they were working on music as well. And um, I started going out to these uh, record conventions, record the conventions. famous record conventions that, uh, you know, finesse and large and... Uh, uh, salam Prince, and tip and salam and tip and everybody would be at and i would see them in there and they're my heroes and they would be buying these 80 dollar records and i would be like wow that must be nice <laughs> 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 and we would you know look for stuff and then once i developed a relationship with those dudes they started to be like you got this you got this you know this guy you know this guy you got this you need to get this and um started to you know begin to get my chops up with uh, on the digging side and uh, we started to you know produce all music and I gravitated to what I knew which was you know my brothers again the weather report and a lot of the fusion shit which kind of the, the, the landscape of things I wanted to, to rap over mm-hmm. personally and so 
just started putting stuff together and taking it to the studio and trying to make it better and getting with the right, you know, engineers and things like that. So Prince would make a beat. We would make a beat together. We would be like, what is this? You know, we would sit there and be like, what is this song saying? What are we doing? And or I would come with a concept and be like, what if we're unborn fetuses and the mother's stomach? And that was my shit, too. The in vitro, nigga, I ran, man, I ran the hell out of that damn song. Right, right. And, so, and then, um, you know, shout out to Buck Wild. Um, and then around that same time, we're working with OG, Antoine too, man. Y'all shit yeah. with OG was crazy. That yeah, Decisions yeah. record, Thank I love that record. Thank you. <clears throat> Anton Puchowski was was bringing live instrumentations to a lot of the early shit and just pushing us along and it was a collective effort to answer your to answer your question. Okay. <laughs> so I, I always wanted to know um, because you guys were so advanced, um, like way past where Ultramagnetic was taking it. Because you guys were so advanced and sort of rapping outside the boundaries of you know, outside the boundaries, coloring outside the lines. Was it frustrating to, to have such, not not limitations as far as what hip-hop music could have been, but I would always, I would I could imagine, I always thought of you guys as sort of like advanced era hip-hop, like future, well, at the time I was saying you guys were future hip-hop, that kind of got stuck with a palette of limited music output. Like if, if you guys could easily figure out ways to program the 1200 so that you could rhyme seven, eight meter here and then slow down there and the, uh, things that mm. you could easily do now on pro tools mm. and, and, mm. you know, and reason like and shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And all these. So was it, or even things like, you know, where Ghostface just rhymes over an album. Like I, I always wanted to know like <laughs> shit, if you guys could rhyme over Frank Zappa or Mahavishu it, orchestra, just like, you guys would have been those people. So like, was there ever musical moments that you tried an idea that was just like way too ahead of its time, at least uh, technology wise? I was frustrated then, which is, which made me happy because I knew what I wanted to do was expansive, you know, and I would listen to bands and, and they, they would play a groove at a tempo and then break it down and do it beautiful transition into a slower, more beautiful tempo. And I was like, how am I, you know, how are we going to achieve this with what we're trying to do? And right. um, that's kind of what brought about that Hypnotical Gases song, which starts at one tempo and goes goes into another tempo. We didn't know how to program it at the time. So um, we started off with that one loop, that that, that slow loop, and goes, goes into the, the fusion shit. I remember Anton Kuchowski having to cut the two-inch tape mm -hmm. in order to, you know, get this shit to work. And you think back to things like that, and he's literally like, ah, I got to get this shit right, you know. He's literally right. slicing the tape. I know y'all know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, You know, and I wanted to go, and then I wanted to go into the faster beat as if the band... Right. was 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 doing that you know that's that what was in my head but i had no other way to achieve it you know what i'm saying like i, I didn't know how to you know which kind of brings this full circle you know moving forward i didn't know how to achieve that in the terms of the programming and the sample time 
Um, I don't believe we had 950s at the time, right. you know, so I'm like, how are we going to get this idea out of my head? And um, we did it. And it's, it's one of the records that uh, Organized Confusion is, is most known for. Okay. Without, without, uh, <laughs> without, without want to be starting something. How frustrating was it for you as an MC? As an MC, I gave you power. <laughs> I, motherfucker, how do you know? <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been doing this show for a little while, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, how, yeah. How how frustrating was it for you to hear just you know without being condescending, like mortal mortal hip hop fans just salivate over I gave you power when when you did straight bullet like years you already before. did straight bullet like how and didn't have to tell people that you were a gun you were at the beginning of the song that's the thing I hate about I gave you power it's like I'm a motherfucking gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Nas song! I was gonna the figure Nas it joke. out. I was gonna figure it out. Yeah, hey, the, the ask questions. Real, real hip hop heads. Real hip hop heads will anybody, cry foul. Has out. anybody ever told Nas that, that that people hate that intro to that song? <laughs> yo, it's, yo, between between I gave you power and the way that Dre says Nas's name. Ah, oh, Nas, up, Nas, Nas. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dre, motherfucking Dre. <laughs> Yeah. And no, all no, that love to you, lead man, into like the word, yeah. But that was sorry. Not, yeah. I, I I took half of my golf for just for those two intros. Yeah, but basically, like, yeah, um, you I know, mean, it, it, it brings it it brings it back uh, so many. Just what we're dealing with today from our lens, the the fucking allure and the love we got for Spray Bullet was just insane. You know, we would perform that record, and it would be like the crowd would be like insane. So from our lens, we were right. getting the, the the love and the props from that record and the writing and the reviews. We were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when I gave you power came out, I was like, oh my God, that fucking, it's fucking premiere. Like, what can right. you say? And then, um, and then Nas is like one of my favorite MCs, like, like, like literally that, mm -hmm. that just so, uh, the, the rush of people that came to us like, he bit your shit, man. But but as a as an artist, think, I don't think he bit I'm it. I just don't think he listened no. to know. Right, and that that was a, that was another thing. Which but the, the the crew the crews were the crews were in, in, interconnected in different way because OC was with Searchlight and it was you know. Mm -hmm. shit, but just for real, as a as an artist, I didn't I didn't feel a way like, oh man, you know I I just I didn't get those feelings from it. It it's like, you know, as Tariq says, like some still sharp and still shit, and and what you gonna do next? I say mm -hmm. that to say, later in life, I find myself in the back seat of a Range Rover with Nas having a conversation. And now it says, you know what, man? A lot of people, you know what I mean? Say, you know, they came to me, they said, yo, man, you know, Pharaoh, man, he did that shit before you, man. And, you know, we had a lot of similar shit, B. So, you know, as the foundation, you know, we need to, you know, we need to. So we had a discussion about mm -hmm. it. Um, 
but yeah, I never really felt like, oh my God, that's my concept. Like, I never really felt that way, you know? I, I still maintain that Nas, I don't think Nas listens to that much, at least. And most MCs I know that on that level don't. I agree with you because I don't listen to, I don't, I, it's like a handful of people yeah. that I listen to when I'm recording right. and then. Do we even you're listen wi- to people's albums anymore as artists? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're aware of them. I do. Yeah. Y'all, yeah. Have, well, there's an y'all season. such experts. So how are you going to be such an expert on stuff? Because I listen never... in the off season, but when, usually when you're creating your thing and you're, you're in your own yeah, bubble. Yeah, you locked in. Yeah, I get it Yeah, on you that don't want to listen to other people so that you don't But get, even if it you know. happened afterwards. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, um, I listen to stuff like, right, you have to listen like, so you know what not to do if nothing else. It's more of just kind of a... Right. It's like, all right, if I know, like if I'm working mm-hmm. on an album now, I'll listen to Pharaoh album and be like, okay, I know not to do this because he covered that mm-hmm. already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how as far as it go. Has, has Reek ever told you? I, I know for a fact that a big part of Tariq's development, especially on Things Fall Apart, like, you know, I mean, there's a period for those that listen to the show. And I, I guess I can ask you this uh as well, Farrell, if you're if you're creating this music in the 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 mid to late '90s and and the early aughts, um, you know, there's usually in your head like a jury that you imagine, you know, listening to this oh, and yeah. that you have to have it to that standard. <laughs> so I I know for a fact that Jesus Christ, like Tariq, would run the shit. How to uh, Equinox like every night at like religiously like that was his that was his Rocky music to get him hyped for the show like literally like it was like I gotta get to this level I want this level and this this level of respect did he ever tell you like how much that that album meant to him when we when we talk we just we just do verses of each other's and different shit and I'll be like (laughs) The fifth to make it all come together like the zipper on a butter leather. You know, butter like leather. shit that <laughs> right. just you know, just amazing shit. Uh nothing specific but that like you have to know that um I, I I imagine that when I when I turn in an album that Fonte and Thought and Royce and, and different other cats, you know, are at mm-hmm. a big fucking oak table. And they're like, now let's <laughs> let us listen like, to this song. <laughs> like the last one, like a whiteboard. Hell yeah! So nah, bro, that's real. What that's, is that? What is that? So what is that in 2020, 2021? <laughs> is because the thing is, is that we don't have that. Like right now, I'm current. This will be the first album I created, in which I'm in. You know, in my mind, I always kept like. Okay, the the source is still a thing in my mind, and I have to have that level of perfection. Like, I'm still striving for that four point five rating that I I want, even though it doesn't exist now. So, what is what is that for you in your head when you're creating things, or is this now you're just in the place where you just create for yourself? I, that's what I did on uh, this this new project. I deconstructed all the shit that I don't like and 
you know, uh, a lot of stuff I would listen to and be like, this doesn't have any replay value for me. Why doesn't it have any replay value for you? And what can you do when you do your shit that's going to give something some replay value? You know, the, the, the lyric, the lyricism work is really, really good right now. So mm-hmm. Just being a good or great MC is just not good enough anymore for me. It's like, you know, people can fucking rap now. People have been rapping for 30 years now more. Like, what, you know, what more is it? You know, just to hear somebody uh, that's nice is like, yeah, he nice. And then I would kind of drift away from it. What can What can you do to make people retain some information or you know, no, I think I'm gonna listen to that 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 song for a second time, and it has to do obviously way more with arranging and melody and chorus and bars as well. So, in that time, I'm just like, uh, let me step away and and focus. Still keeping the in the mind that I want you guys to hear this shit, you know, because uh, I'm in touch with. Um, thought towards the end of the the record and he's just sending me tons and tons of shit and I'm like how does he do this like this record <laughs> right right records on records and then he's sharing like I'm so scared to share my shit but he's just like yo I did this shit with service check this shit out and it's like oh my god and, 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 so, <laughs> and so that's the bar you know you you know what your bar is and it's high for me, but at the same time, Pharaoh can rap. So fucking what? Like, right? We know well, this already. Let me. So let me. And I don't I'll mean ask. that to sound arrogant. I mean that to say it's like it's the same thing with the with. Nah, the, it's uh, like the straight A student. Like if you get right. straight A's all the time, mm-hmm. it's like people don't notice you till you make a B, and it's just you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> like the Thor freestyle, everybody in the know is watching that shit. Like y'all ain't know. You know, mm-hmm. y'all ain't know, but it was so monumental for me because he's he's breaking the matrix in that moment. Mm-hmm. Look at him. Mm-hmm. Only somebody who loves this tool to this level would even be able to put together or string together that level of artistry and lyricism. And so that that's what's beautiful about the now and getting mature in this and knowing that, you know, I'm 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 on my Morgan Freeman shit, man. I'm just trying to be the Morgan Freeman of hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's poetic, bro. Man. That's kind of dope. I've never heard it put that beautiful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then even the thing with that thought freestyle, the thing that I always tell people is like you have to, you know, to your point, kind of almost, you know, fair about like rapping not being enough. You know, the thing is, people watch that freestyle. It wasn't that they listened to it. They watched it. You know what I'm saying? And that was what kind of gave it the novelty aspect of it. Because, I mean, again, us, we've been in the know. We've been knowing. But if we, if he were to take those same bars and just spit them over a beat and put it out and be like, yo, I just let some bars go, it wouldn't have been the same reaction. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But that look, people but that look had what it did see for it. everyone. I understand what it did for him. Look what it did for all of us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, anytime somebody comes to the table and they they display that it just <clears throat> reinforces how marginalized I think lyricism still is as much as it gets praised. I still don't think people like even like Jay-Z 
I'm like, y'all still don't understand how good he is. It's mm-hmm. much popular mm-hmm. as he is. Mm-hmm. It's just levels of lyricism that isn't discussed in forums that that can be brought out, in my opinion, as 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 somebody who's a fan of Fonte and Jay. Like, this is this is just amazing shit that happens <clears throat> to me and amazing penmanship. And, you know, I, I think a lot of it goes still to this day, goes over pe- people's heads, how uh, amazing some of this shit is. That makes any sense. All right. So I'm going to not ask you the question that I hate when journalists ask me this question. So I'll remix it. Who are your favorite MCs then? And I guess I'm really asking, is there anyone post 2010, really post 2015 that you like now? Like newer, Which, newer guys, yeah. I'm prepared for that answer to be no, if it's no. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. So thus, I'll just have you just, who who are your go-to, like, who do you like, really like? Um, like? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm trying, you know, I pull from all of these dudes. Um, but I, I think Kendrick is an obvious, an obvious uh, choice because, you know, on the on the album that uh, touched my heart, he had an understanding of very early on that I'm nice, but I need to be surrounded by arrangement and music and mm-hmm. all these things. And he made that marriage, and a, it was a moment again that that pushed the envelope of what could be done. And, Kendrick is one, um, <clears throat> but just all-time thought, MCs, like any, you know. I mean, my all-time is is the same cast of dudes. It's uh, Rock Ham and Kane and G Rap. G Rap being my favorite, Slick <laughs> Rick, who who I think influenced <laughs> a whole array of people, but they don't get that Slick Rick is influenced them because of tone. But Slick Rick is a, all the voices, a yeah. He, Mm-hmm. He's a master, and uh, Chuck D and Chris and L. Is there someone that you feel is overrated, uh, overrated, uh, overlooked? Like I'm, I'm realizing now that Tariq's main influence is an MC he never mentions. Well, not that he does interviews. I didn't realize how much of a uh, influence that Greg Nice. Is on Tariq, <laughs> and usually Greg Nice isn't the first name that comes to people's. But I mean, Greg Nice is. Yeah, he, I, like mean, the East I don't Coast know. Too he's he's kind of like a really great tuna fish sandwich. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not the, it's not the food. No, it's not the food that you like. Like it's not on your last meal list, but it's consistent. And if made right, it hits the spot. Hell but yeah. you just yeah. overlook it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's and, exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like Greg Nice is is in the the hall of fame of, and and you wouldn't realize that he could influence a black thought, but hell yeah he could. Mm-hmm. He influenced all of us. He he pushed and over this area and he you know, mm-hmm. I can't explain it, but this shit is marginalized and can only be discussed in a in a lyric room how Greg Nice can influence Black Thought is very much so. And he's one of my favorite MCs as well. Okay, I got one last organized confusion record. I swear to God, we'll finally get to your solo career within the first four <laughs> hours of this interview. <laughs> but this, this question I've been dying to know. 
I have a copy of Stress that has different music on Let's Organize. Not the Patrice Russian sample. Uh, but, okay. But there's another version of Let's Organize with Tip mm-hmm. that I had, I guess I had a press copy of this shit. Yeah. Why was that music changed? That shit drove me crazy when I first heard it. And then when I brought the album, it was new music, and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't the version I know. And, I, and it's like Snuffleupagus. Like, was it real? Was it not real? <laughs> and anybody that's been on the show involved with that record, whatever, tip, name them, I ask, was it me or did I remember another version of Let's Organize that never made it? Yeah, it's the original version. It's the, you, Ill, the Ill version. And uh, we will. Do you we have that a, version? I, I do. I could get it to you. Oh, thank you. I, yes. CC me on that email as well. That's another, that's another thing that won't ever happen again is we were in studios, you know, to drive the studio that I was in, the drive building. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting the name Battery. of it now. Battery. Battery Studios. Mm-hmm. And we were recording and tip. You know, artists would be in different and Tip just heard that beat, came into our room, and was like, fuck y'all, I'm getting on this song, where's my part? We were like, oh, <laughs> shit. And he went in, and he just, you know, vibed it out. You know, this shit got me moving like this. It got me moving. I need to be on this song. I remember Erica being in sessions in there, and again, it was just people flowing throughout the hallways, and that should have never happened again in music. Right, I uh, think uh, mistakenly, I want to say mistakenly, but organically happening because of uh, different people in different studios. But yeah, we're working on that, and um, Tip was like, "Yo, I got to get on this song." So that's how that happened. Wow, yeah, I, I got to hear that, man. Like yeah. I've been dreaming of that moment. Why was it changed at the last minute? Or was it a sample issue or? Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. I don't know, man. I think I think it was a label thing as well. You know, we need to remix this song or whatever and you know we fell for it. Yeah, no, I mean this is man. actually this was the jazzier, more effective. I mean I've DJed it and people danced to mm-hmm. it, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was it was probably the better decision, but mm-hmm. the way y'all hooked that beat up on the first join. Um, Prince Poe did that beat, man. Shout if I was driving, Poe, I would have drove man. 200 miles per hour into a wall and been happy. Like that—that <laughs> joint was just so incredible, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Like, in your time off from in between Equinox to uh, you know internal rock affairs. Uh, internal affairs, yeah, '99. Uh, what were you doing during that time? Um, contemplating my life. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I, I thought if you're gonna if you're gonna recommit, you know, on some rocky shit, and you're gonna do it by yourself, then you need to really put yourself through the the ringer and the test of that. Um, it wasn't a pretentious thing. Started working on music. I did some demos. I went overseas with uh, Bobito and um, Q Unique and Destroy and those cats. Oh, and wow. we, we toured we toured Europe. I was by myself. I had a DAT machine. And I was like, and you know, this is me having a conversation with my inner self. If you really bout it, bout it, mm-hmm. you're going to press that DAT and you're going to go on stage by yourself and you're going to see if you bout it and you're going to see if you got 
what it takes to be a solo artist. Because I really, if it wasn't for Prince, I wouldn't have got into it. Like, you know, he was the conduit, obviously, to give me, you know, I'm not really outgoing like that. And so I needed to be like, are you really, you know, about this shit? You need to get up there by yourself and not having any money and, you know, tours in Europe. I ain't have a DJ. I literally had a portable DAT machine. Wow. And would be like, press play on the portable DAT <laughs> to my intro and walk out on stage. <laughs> hey, I there love was it. no Get... break. Yeah, it wasn't. It, <laughs> yeah. Can I ask from one to damn that annoys me, how burdensome or annoying to you? at least in the last 20 years, are those four notes from Simon Says. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't sing it? I was scared. I mean, it's, it's strange, man. It's like, I know a lot of artists talk about their disdain for those records. Yeah, it smells I, like Teen I, Spirit or Me, Myself, and I. No. Like, <laughs> right. The group that hates right. their hit. Right. But I've I've really embraced the shit. I've embraced the love of it. I've embraced the the way it brought um a lot of people from different genres to that records. I embraced the the festival shit with the record. I embraced the novelty of the record. It almost became a novelty before the shit came out. You know, Raucus was late to claim it and Flex was playing it and Puffy was walking out to that song at the garden for an intro wow. of the show before I was able to be like, wait a minute, this is me, you know? <laughs> and we had to, we, we, we had to push forward the, the, the reclaim the record, you know, to, to grab it. So to answer that question, like I've decided to love that fucking song and it's brought me pain too. And, 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 you know, with the sample shit, mm-hmm. but, uh, I love the record. Wait, so you, you did <laughs> Wait, can I ask I one question, it. Fonte? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Am I the only human being on earth that sort of associates that record and that sample? That is also on Lady Sings the Blues. And really? as a person that has watched Lady Sings the Blues like 20 times, when she's yeah. getting when she's getting arraigned and fingerprinted in the beginning during the, the opening credits. Okay, okay. The music in the background is wow, 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 wow. It's the same thing. Wow. So it's wow. been used. Okay. It's been used over and over again. Now the thing was that I know when the lawsuit came on, it was from the Godzilla people and yada 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 whatnot. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I knew that it was almost from, kind of like some public, do- not public domain. Yeah, but, yeah. I knew know, that yeah. from Lady Sings the Blues, and mm-hmm. I, I believe like it was almost some Gilbert or Sullivan Bismarck. Marquis mm. shit coming going on where they were trying to go extra hard on you from ruining the legacy of this this fictional dragon. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. No, this is Lady Sings the Blues. So it's it's like what was that whole ordeal? And I got mad James Murdoch questions for you as well with succession, but anyway. Man, man, me, for real, for real. Let me yeah, just start with that. Like when how did that whole thing the whole lawsuit thing come to be you know i was a fucking monster movie buff and fan and 
my my best friend who was a DJ for Organized Confusion as well, Tostic, calls me and he's like, yo, I just came back from Tower. I got this this uh, CD with, with the original shits that we used to love back in the days and we used to run home from school to watch the 4.30 after school movie shit. Mm-hmm. They used to have the 4.30 after school karate shit and they used to have the 4.30 after school monster joints with Gamera and Kong and all of that. I mm-hmm. got the soundtrack to the sounds and all that stuff that was on there. And I was like, I'm coming right down right now. And I go down there and I listen to it at his house and I just heard like some some notes and phrasings and the whole CD was is amazing. It's a couple of things that I could have chopped off of there. But, you know, that thing stood out to me and it was like, oh man, is it this intro? Every DJ loves an intro to a song. This is just classic mm-hmm. hip hop. And I can set it up where I have this intro to the song and then this drop on the one and then I'll just rock these four beats. Do it in, do the four beats in, put some drums on it, just rocking in the room and listening and I'm like... Did you do that on the SP? Was that, uh, Um, you did that beat on the SP? Yes, sir. And and, and then, that's, you know, and then um, I just had the four notes and then um, I didn't have enough time to set up the intro. That's where Lee Stone comes in. I'm like, I got to bring you the shit. And then we go and we work on the Jigga Jigga and, and all the rest of the shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm just, yeah, I listen to the record and I'm just like, you know what this is. You can only fuck this song up. You need to tell people <laughs> what to do. You need to be direct. And you need to write, you know, I wanted to write a rhyme like, like how I felt with kind of like LL, a, a rhyme that people remember the rhyme and you do the rhyme and everybody's saying the rhyme. Mm-hmm. You know, up until this point, it's, it's intricate and it's a lot of gymnastics and people would be staring at me at shows like, oh, nice. <laughs> but I wanted to write something that, that, you know, the whole crowd is like, I'm him, you know? I'm him when I'm saying that shit. I, I, I could do that shit in the mirror when I was doing that song, so... Those are the two things I started with. Push come to shove, get the record done and the bare bones of the record and I take it to Raucous and I'm like, I think I got one. Before I made that record, again, if we put it in context of what's happening in the, in, the, in music at that time, at radio and with labels, I'm looking at the scope of this shit and I'm like, I think I could, I think I could hang out with these guys in my way. Uh, New York City had a place to break records, which was the tunnel. Mm-hmm. That shit doesn't exist anymore. And so I'm factoring <laughs> all of this in when I'm thinking about this song. You need to get this record broke. You need to move people. It needs to be hard and it needs to say, you know, a couple of things on it. You know, that that could change things. It needs to be aggressive. Anyway, I take the record in. Headquarters, piece of headquarters was at Raucous at the yeah. time. They just went crazy. They was like, this shit is crazy. I remember headquarters. So, so the record like, was done before you even went for it. Raucous even heard it. Like it was done before you were signed to Raucous. No, no, no. I was I was signed and I was, you know, I was like I was telling them I, I could I could make records that can compete oh, gotcha. with what is happening on the radio right now in our in my way. Mm. You know, I felt like 
if this is the illest things that ha- that's happening right now, I was like, holla, holla. I'm like, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? I hated that damn song. You know what? I like it. I didn't. Hot like that era, like holla, holla, can I get out? All them records was kind of, they were kind of whatever. Back then, I didn't like it, but now. You didn't like it because you heard it so much. You didn't like it because the radio played it back to back to back to back to back. That's I didn't like it the first time I heard it. Oh damn! Yeah, you Fonte, so yeah, that makes sense. I didn't like it for the first time. That was it. And that's another uh misnomer. Like all the cats that Raucus was was fucking with those dudes. It's not like we were like hating. You know, I like super underground. Right, uh, but they 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 drew this line, and you know, cats that I knew on that side was like, "Yo, we we be bumping your shit in the in the whip," and wow, I was well, with these dudes, and they playing you and Quali and and most in the car, and they doing the shit, and they rocking with y'all shit too. Like, I don't think it was a bigger disparity in line between the two genres at the time as as it was made out to be. Of course, I was fucking with Big and Jay. And Javu and all that shit. Like who who wasn't? I mean, I'm I'm from South Jamaica Queens. That being said, at Raucous, I, I knew, you know, I was I was where I wanted to be and where I needed to be and was working on this song. I brought the record in. I don't mean to be long winded. No. I love the record. Not Quest Supreme. Uh-huh. I love the they love the record. Jared was like, I don't know about this titty thing. You might want to change the titty <laughs> thing because, you, you know, the female fans, if you could just go back in and rework the titty thing. Yeah, it was weird. We and paid I attention. Live, Every time the song yeah. came on, we was like, ah, wait a minute. What am I doing? Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what y'all doing? I love it. <laughs> I literally went back into the studio because I wasn't a jackass artist. I'm like, let me, let me, you know, see if I could rework it. And um, I was like, fuck that shit, man. Leave it how it is. It is what it is. It's an unconventional chorus because right. it's extra long and all this shit. And then it gets into some other shit with the itty-bitty shit. I'm like, leave the shit, man. It's a feel. It feels good. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the itty-bitty titties. Yes. New York City, itty committee, 50 yes, to yes. yeah. You got into And um, we left it. They rocked with it. And I came to them with the business side. And it was notorious there, like business wasn't just executed on on a high level. And I brought the samples in and whatever, and it was like, uh, you know, this is saying we don't really have to, you know, because this bop the boop the boop, and they dropped the ball on the business side. It's not like I I hid what the fuck I was doing. I was like, here's the CD, here's the paperwork, mm-hmm. here's the shit. Like let's clear the shit. It could pop if you're feeling it like that. We need to do it. And it was kind of like, yeah, I guess, you know. Yeah. So you're saying that they just thought, like, we're raucous, you know. We're under the radar. It's only going to yeah. be 20,000 units. This will sell at Fat Beats and, right, you know. And then came radio. <laughs> so, okay, well, I was going to ask, like, did you have relationships with Brian and Jarrett and, about to say Rupert, uh, James Murdoch at the time? Because it's oh, only, man, I mean, do you watch Succession? Uh the uh, HBO kind of Murdoch drama about the Murdoch family. Need to, I'm on it. 
Yeah. Like they, they, the character that's playing the James guy, like, you know, he's going through his, you know, his post hip hop phase. But I, now that I've watched that, I, mm-hmm. like, wait, I'm sorry. Connect the dots. Wait, what are you saying right now, Amir? Are you saying that the Murdochs are connected to Rockets? Is that what you're saying? James Murdoch. Oh, yeah. Um, the youngest Absolutely. son of Rupert Murdoch is the, the kind of the seed money for Rockets Records. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> doing something. Yeah, James. Actually, you know, James, I forgot. James brought Raucous to Wendy Goldstein. So at one point, like, well, yeah, yeah, that's how most got on the label. Quali got I'm on the label. I'm losing my shit. Like the most conscious yeah. rapper. What? Yeah. yeah, the irony of it all is that, yes, the youngest Murdoch song, son, James Murdoch, was was one of the heads of Raucous Records. Okay, yeah. and I first heard that in uh from an LP song. It was one of his records, or it was an LP of a company. Flaw, I can't remember, but he had made a mention of, it and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like on, and that was you know. Was it on the Fun Crusher Plus? Uh, it might have been on Fun Crusher Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so if you start watching the show uh, Succession. Which is, you know, kind of mirror. It's it's like McDowell's and McDonald's. Like we, we know that's not <laughs> the Murdoch family, but that's who it is. Like one of their sons was like, you know, I mean, not Wiggerish, but you know, he he's oh the, yeah. the oldest steeped oh. into no the youngest steeped oh, into the, oh. the hip hop whatever. So I always wondered like what the relationship was between the artist and those three at the time, because in my head I thought they were like. That it was just strictly a, a backpack. I I didn't realize like how. Yeah, deep. it was money. It was it was heavy money flowing through. Talk yeah. about yeah. it. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Not enough money to clear samples, apparently. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So wow. have they handled? Part. Have they handled it now? It's like. Has it been cleared or dealt with, or the song just it, it, does not exist anymore unless you it, already it, have it, it? It it doesn't, and it hasn't been cleared. And um, I own that album, and I own that record, yes. and it's back in my possession. And thank God for that. And mm-hmm. during this pandemic, things where have the been money nice. reside. <laughs> oh, where the money reside. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. So you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. 
connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are there any plans to get the, the first two um, yes. organized records on streaming? Or are you yes, going through a De La Soul thing as well? With We're in the midst of putting those up soon, but I just was telling Prince, let, let's do the shit in a, a real... Ill, you know, ill way and not just make it available. Let's let's try and shoot something. Let's shoot something for Straight Bullet, make an announcement, and, and it nice. would be nice, with, you know, to just to be like, hi, I'm Prince Poe. Hi, I'm Farrell March. And we are organizing fusion <laughs> for the first Start time. Nice. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think that shit would be cool. So to all the heads out there, it's coming. Um, we just want to do it and honor the catalog. It's all we have. You know, it may not be what uh, some other catalogs are, but it's ours, and I want to honor it. And that money going to come in every month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit. Wow, that's crazy. That when it comes, Monte. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, with a, the, the Desire record, um, what was the, the, the decision process to... Well, I'm saying grow. It's almost as if everyone between 2004 and 2005 was expanding their their creative palette in terms of um, their presentation. So there's a lot more live instrumentation. Was that just based on not trying to mess with samples anymore and the whole nightmare of that situation? Like, what what brought that on? One of my favorites on that record was your Terradome cover. Thank you, man. (laughs) Um, Probably. You know, um, looking back, uh, emotionally and psychologically, but more so than that, um, uh, I had went through so much trauma with the sample and the the label shit, and um, uh, Raucous uh, folded and went to MCA, and then they went over there, and then they was at Geffen, and then it was this, and I was caught up in all that shit, and um, in the midst of that, uh, there was there, there was some um, almost uh, me going with Shady and then Sylvia Rome and then over here and then I was just all over the place and then I finally was like you know what I'm gonna just try to be a free agent and get out of this kind of web and I was finally able to uh, walk from it all and when I walked from it I, I felt free again and I was like I don't even know if I want to want to do this shit again right now in the way that I'm used to doing it and I had a a, a bevy of, of songs that I had recorded and I had love. I was on tour with Most and Qua. We was on a Sony PlayStation tour with tour buses. I had landed a publishing deal and I was chilling. 
And I was like, I'm not signed. I don't want to look for a record deal. I'm good. And Corey, Carly's manager at the time. Blacksmith. Blacksmith was like, yo, what you working on? And I put something on the tour bus and I played a couple of songs and he lost it. And he just tore me apart. And he was like, these songs are great. They're not yours. They're given to you from a higher place. It's, it's wrong for you to hold on to this stuff. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, it's not yours to hold on to. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm good. I'm on tour with, with Most and Quad. And, you know, I'm just turned off by the record label shit. And he really beat me up and was like, then you need to give them away. And I, I, there was, wow. the, again, putting putting music in context. The industry is changing, like you said at that time. And I couldn't understand as a 90s dude the concept of give the what? Mm-hmm. No record cover? Like what? Huh? Like no artwork? <laughs> what do you mean give this shit away? And he was really like, it's, it's not really yours, man. You have fans. You need to let it go. And I was just like, I can't get the concept. I go on to record more music, and I do realize that what I'm feeling is um, I want to uplift, so I incorporate uh, Mila Machinko and Showtime, my nigga. And Showtime, <laughs> because I'm hearing that uh, these harmonies can can be uplifting in the song and <clears throat> these tones, and I, I knew that I wanted to perform and have people feel a certain way because I feel like I was let free from my situation so i was incorporating you know to answer your question sorry for being long-winded i wasn't trying to incorporate this instrumentation that can make you feel good and get a goosebump hopefully from the live performance and um that's why the desire record sounds like that how Uh, did you and denon hook up man how what was how did that connection happen um there were there was I was moving back and forth between Shady and this and that and we hooked up and he's responsible for a lot of that and you know I was in Detroit man it was one of the best times you know just being out there with with Black Milk and Guilty and Denon and and that whole crew and uh, he sold soulful and he bought a lot of that you know that's why I gravitated that way because he sings and. You know, yeah. broken heart. I'm still waiting for that. I need that to come out on something. Like <laughs> I love that fucking song, man. Oh, thank you, man. And uh, that's that's why I went in that direction because I'm. I, I was like, I need to move people in a in a different way. Uh, and uh, that being said, the record that most of the demo got dropped when I was in Detroit working with Denon. I was also writing for Puff. I was doing. Yo, yep. I'm, um, yep. dude. I wanted to ask you. Um, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good, and I don't have a record deal, and I'm just fortunate that Denon is helping me out, and I'm working on music. Again, feeling really fortunate, and I'm, 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 I'm writing, and I'm doing shit, and I don't know where this music is going to go. And there was an actual uh, created an actual bidding war just to push this forward. It was SRC Puff was loving what he was hearing because he would ask me to play shit when I was in the studio with him. You know, no Desire and, and uh, the shit with Alchemist and the different songs that was on that album, people were feeling. And my mm-hmm. lawyer was like, I can't believe that in this context, in this time frame, that you actually have 
three deals on the table. Sony, SRC, and Puff was like, whatever they offer you, double that shit. Shit. True story. And I was like, I don't believe you. (laughs) I don't believe this will will work there. You know, we would have heart to hearts, and he would be like, why? And I'm like, I don't. Farrell Monch, bad boy in the building. I was like, nobody's trying to hit <laughs> Wait, I, nah, I got, that's I, real though. That's I gotta real. ask, only because you know, there's there's a part like past the mid aughts, two thousand five, two thousand six, where you just stop reading credits. So I don't know, but I always felt in my heart that one of them rhymes on Diddy's. I'm so glad you said that. The I, press play I, album. Yeah, I didn't even want to insult you. I was like, wait. No, it was the song. future, right? It was. was... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, oh, I, I so it's two. the. See, because I, I always thought that you wrote uh, Everything I Love, the one that Kanye mm-hmm. did. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the way he's rhyming on it, I was like, wait, Diddy's <laughs> pinning like this. Diddy's <laughs> pinning like, come on. Y'all don't hear this? And I always oh. wanted to know did you ghostwrite that joint? Okay. He he! I sat. I sat it was with the him. it was the press play album, right? Oh, was it press play press or was player. it? Yeah, was press play. One? Sat with him, had a meeting with him. He was like, "I'm working on an album." Um, I, I got to meet with him because I had did this publishing deal, and the writers there, and you, y'all know how that go. And um, mm-hmm. my only thing was when when I sat with him, I'm like, "I'm good. I just want to be credited," which is why I don't have any problems saying what I'm saying because I'm credited as a writer on the song so it's not like mm-hmm. Shh, be quiet right you know? okay and then you know I just again I just I just learned so much from him you know I thought he he credited me so much on my work ethic but uh he's really an animal uh at that shit too and I watched him and and learned about applying reapplying myself in a different way when it comes to my own shit because I'm like no way I'm going to work this hard on his shit and not work that hard on my shit and just learn so much from him in that sense of how he pushes he's really good at figuring out how to push a writer or to push an artist I love that dude for that so yeah I want to know what that process is like when you're is it like does he just take what you give him do you have to be there to coach him say like this like how how much work does he put into the preparation because i mean he pulled it off to the point mm-hmm. where i was like wow he's he really got good at rapping and then i was like wait a minute this guy be somebody writing his joints for him and then Don't when i heard if i write them, rhymes i write checks right and then I when i y'all. heard the rhyme scheme i was like yo this feels like pharaoh some pharaoh would say and i was like there's no way that he reached that deep into the to the uh, rapper bag <laughs> yeah to go to go that level but th- now mm. i'm realizing and he goes in cycles where he's like okay i gotta take it back to the beginning like even right now as we speak he oh i hope i'm not letting this cat out the bag like he's trying to make he, he's now making like camp diddy where it's like he has true underground cats mm-hmm. like he's trying to go back there again you know what i'm saying he does it like once day, every seven gotta, years. You got to realize who he discovered. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, you got to realize who was written. You know, you know, we could, we could, you know, even having conversations with him off the rip, he was like, I know what niggas say about me. I'm like, what do they say? Mm-hmm. He said, they'd be in the barbershops and they'd be like, 
I fuck with his jeans, but I don't fuck with his music and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, nigga. That's funny. Yeah. I fuck with his music. I fuck with his music. I don't fuck with him. But I don't fuck with his jeans. Yeah. Oh, wait. I can't say that. I was I was once a, a, a Sean John model. I long, forgot. Long time ago. But wait, can you answer, <laughs> can you answer that question, because I do want to know the answer to the pro- the question of the process that you asked Amir about. Like, what is that process like? And were you in the studio and there for like all the infections and whatnot? So, again, in those heart to hearts, he was like, yo, if you have an issue, tell me to my face okay. and be honest with me. And that's why I took the job. It's been a lot of shits that I, a lot of things that I was offered in my career, which is where I'm in the position, I'm not in a higher position that I could be that I was like ah it's just not in my heart to do it but when he told me that I was like all right nigga if you're going to be that raw and you're going to be that honest then then let's do it and he played me the beats and it was like have it the non I'm like oh shit I was like, this is what the A-list beats sound like I always get the beat back <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they wow. give you best shit, right? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this music is good. Let's do it. So he flies me down to, to Miami and I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm writing and we're, we're nailing the shit and the, the engineers are in there and they're like, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. He's going to love this. And he he, he, he would come in, in in the 11th hour and be like, ah. Maybe the last four bars, you know, going into the thing could be could be a rewrite. And we, you know, we worked hard on stuff. So I, I got it done. You know, <laughs> there was some some great stories down there in Miami. Do tell. Should I leave? What was it again? What was it like recording down there? <laughs> <laughs> Not going there. Unmuted. I was working on my album with the non at the same time. And I really was like, I want to finish this so I could go back to Detroit and finish my shit. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, your shit is, is, is amazing as well. You might want to think this out. Boom, 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 boom. I finished my writing. I flew to Detroit and we're working on my stuff. And I'm in the studio with the non, maybe milk, maybe guilty. We're chilling and we're writing. And I'm 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 having some whiskey, and I get a call from Sean C. And he says, "My brother, I think Puffy is going to use one of your joints as the first single, first release, kind of." And I'm like, "You got to be fucking shitting me!" And he's like, "You got to hear it." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Send it to me." And they send me the song, and Denon has this elaborate studio. He puts mm-hmm. it in. Yep puts it on, puts it on the big speakers and press play. And all you can hear is laughter. Everybody in the studio is laughing at the top of their fucking lungs because it sounds like Feral Monch coming out of Puffy's mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I, I, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I actually did it, you know, with, with uh, I, I I did it with a New York swagger on the demos and it's kind of laid back and it, you know, kind of has like a, a lot of flavor that I don't even, you know, uh, project back then. That's not where I was with it. And it was so ill. So he said, if you have an issue, you could call me 
So I was like, I got to get him on the phone. I want to fly back. I want to re-record his vocals. I want to fly back to New York. And I want to go in with him and re-record these vocals. And I was like, I got to get him on the phone. And they're just steady laughing. It's just laughing in the background. And I'm calling and I'm like, hello, it's Farrell. Can I speak to Puff? And it's like, Farrell, who? What? What? I'm like, Farrell, can I speak? Hold on. It's uh, Farrell. Who? What? Farrell? Okay, hold on. Boom. Finally get through to him and I'm like, I just listened to the record. I think we can re-record these vocals more laid and relaxed. And he was like, fuck you, man. I love this shit. I'm not changing it. <laughs> yeah, so Did much for real talk. Did he <laughs> so, Wow. <laughs> wow, man. What what do you think made you uh go with um you know a go with SRC rather than going with Bad Boy or going with um like Sony, you know, you said some what what how did you choose them? I mean, I knew what that record was sounding like. It was Danon and I'm like, how I don't you know, it you know I would be like explain to me how this how this would work. And it, you know, it's like I could walk you on the MTV, I could do this, I could do that. And I just was like, I just don't think it fits the aesthetic unless something else is kind of created. And I, uh, I love that dude. And I would have loved to have worked with him under his mm-hmm. tutelage and got all that extra kind of love. But I just didn't think it fit there. Was that your last experience in the writing? Because didn't you write some more for uh, for other folks? I quit after that. It's such uh-huh. it's so taxing. <laughs> you, you give all of your heart to and soul and it just it's just kind of draining in a way so can i ask who did you say no who did you say no to if if i'm allowed to ask diddy can't be the only person that asked you to hook up his pen um i can't i can't (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute wait 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 just yes or no are these like rappers that we would respect that we'd be shocked at or is it like a-list celebrities that want to rap it based on like that a- i already know the answer never mind <laughs> 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 and i borderline think i know the answer but anyway uh, <laughs> wow wow okay Man. so like once you talk, talk talk to me about like after you left you know after desire and then the years, I think like the four years, uh, three, four years when you came with the war LP. Um, how was it like to get your mind frame of being ready to be an independent artist and like really like doing it yourself in a way that you had never had prior to uh, any point in your career? After the Desire album, Steve Rifkin and uh, we went back and Steve loved the record. Uh, yeah, I did so too. Good yeah. There. Yeah, yeah. He, he, mm-hmm. he was telling telling me him and his wife at the time it was it was something that they played and they they had sex too and oh it was Whoa. really <laughs> no no on some real shit like he was like I yeah really i live to this, like record. this record right yeah and um he was very disappointed i think um when well, he had sex dropped, to the war record no the desire no no, no desire <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, sex to the Steve war, Rippin. sex to the war record. That's an X videos channel. <laughs> 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 okay, my bad, my bad. Yeah, 
Yeah, me and Immortal Technique and 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 you and your <laughs> Um so he uh he was like uh loved this record and um dropped it and I was in the system in which uh I believe that that in that two week frame little Wayne dropped the lollipop record uh-huh. and that shit shut it shut everything down. I, I, I think it like killed uh, Erica had America, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. And from, from what I could see from my optics, it just soaked up all of the monies from everywhere, and they put all their money on on that shit, and we kind of got, yeah. Shit. But that being said, I tore off that record. I did Rock the Bells off that record, and um, it was very well received, and I saw a different level of fan coming in. I remember being on Rock the Bells overseas with... Um, Nas and Dayla in the elevator and I was talking to Nas and I said, yo, you know, I put this out and, you know, head seemed a little disappointed that I had, you know, the singing and the this and, and Nas and Pops was like, don't worry. These things are like children. They grow, they mature. Talk to me three years from now and, and, and see what it's mm. like. So when I ask people, desire is, is, you know, is up there in, in my, my solo shit that, that people, vibe with still it brought in mm-hmm. new fans and i was starting to learn that um that's okay as i'm moving forward so i go back to steve and then that moment when we're going into the new record i was like yo uh, um <clears throat> i got these samples and shit and i want to do some rock shit and i want to do some this shit and that shit was like nah and then i was like i want to leave then and i want to be on the label and they let me go because we're all mature and whatever and whatever. And Guy Rute, my manager at the time, was like, you know, I think this major label shit went over people's heads. You know, you're telling me people see you in the mall and they're like, you still rap? And I'm like, I'm on a major. So, <laughs> right. You, you know, yeah, it was something they connected. Something they connected and the labels is changing and it's going digital and they're missing it. We decided to go independent, learn under the tutelage of duck down and, and get mm-hmm. the game from somebody who's been doing it for 25 years, you know, and not just jump into the, the game. And we talked to them and we went there and we did the, the war record, which again, um, for me, you know, for my lens did better than the desire record because we had mm-hmm. a record on there. Uh, I had a record on there called still standing with Jill Scott yeah. that performed extremely well overseas and kept me out on the road which is obviously the only way i was making money at the time the only right. way i could earn so i was enjoying staying on the road yeah yeah and anyway that's what we did black can side we shot the black can side video uh with that was man that was you were the one you introduced me to terrence dance who mm-hmm. is the director of uh Random Acts of Flyness on mm-hmm. HBO. Oh, okay. And he's mm-hmm. also, and he's one one of his homies is also. Um, I don't think he was on set that day, but uh, mm-hmm. his man Shaka King. I don't know you. I'm sure you know Shaka. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You know who's my who did the uh, the upcoming Fred Hampton joint. But uh, but nah, Ooh. man. I really the videos that y'all did for that record. I just I remember just telling guy. You know, because we shot our video, the Black Hand Side joint with Styles P. But before mm-hmm. that, y'all had shot Clap. And 
I was like, yo, these shits is like movies, dude. And, mm-hmm. you know, it always just made me think of you and just wonder if you ever had any aspirations of going into screenwriting. Because yeah, it seemed like I wrote you'd be a perfect fit of the shit, man. Yeah, I wrote all of those. I wrote the concept for Black Hand Side with the, through the different lens of the shades. Mm-hmm. I wrote the concept for Clap and Still Standing. And uh, obviously I was lucky enough to hook up with Terrence Nance, who's a fucking genius and yeah. is going to do incredible and insane major, major things. But I was lucky to <clears throat> fall into that, that lane with him and his cinematographer, Sean, and get those visuals done, which really, really helped mm-hmm. the, the record a lot. Farrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we, we, we got here finally in three hours. Um, <laughs> explain to me the, the, the concept behind the, uh, the 13 project. Um, James, you're going to steal my one question. All right. Ah, uh, good. Steve, ask your question. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love Daru Jones and, uh, Marcus Machado. Um, and yet yeah, if you could just tell us ab- about the, the trio, but, um, specifically why you chose, a drummer, uh, or drums and guitar, as as the other two parts. As your backdrop, you know. Of course, you know the the rock thing has been sprinkled throughout. You know, I had some some ill samples that that didn't make the record of, of stuff that I was rocking over, and I realized um, if I if I wanted people to take me a little bit more serious than me even saying that word that I needed to incorporate musicians. I likened it to somebody from the rock side saying he's gonna do an authentic hip hop record and how everybody on this side would be like, get the fuck out of here. And so, <laughs> you know, I wanted I wanted to at least get a look on that side. I'm a fan of the genre and I respect the genre. And um, I know people have tried to I've done these type of mashups before. So uh I wanted someone who had who could who could do the the late Dilla shit as well as had rock chops because a lot of the stuff was straight ahead and I, I, I knew it should be more straight ahead than more laid back in the pocket, you know, thinking about what I wanted and I wanted to, you know, get somebody who who can understand that. And, you know, I know how busy Daru is, but I was like, fuck it. Yo, I'm doing this project and I need a bit of commitment. And I know Cat's always gigging, but he was like, I'm down. And and that was like, you know, one of the main things because I needed to do obviously a couple of straight live records to make it make sense. But more importantly, I wanted it to keep the, the temperament and not lose hip hop because that's the core of the shit still. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why I like the genre, you know, to begin with, you're talking Rush and Sabbath and Zeppelin, you know, that's all shit I would rhyme over. You know, I heard Tom Sawyer and I'm like, I, I don't know any MC who would want to rhyme over that. So to, to, to me, I'm like, that's that's hip hop to me. And, and it's always been the, genres kind of blend in to each other for me um so i knew that was very important to bring in a knots so that the shit is official in terms of 
that pocket, but then able to expand mm-hmm. outside of what you would get in an intro or an outro of a record so we could stretch a little bit. So that's what that's all about on a musical side. What is the what is your I almost at this point call it obsession with the number 13 because your publishing is Tresca Decophobia which is mm. fear of the number 13 correct is that right mm. so that yeah what's that 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 recurring kind of theme in your career so with with the asthma shit when I when I got it when I was little I contracted it at 13 months hmm. okay. of, 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 of age and that's what I would hear all the time. People would be like, how long has it been since he had asthma? And then my mom would be like, since he was 13 months old. And I, you know, it just kind of stuck in my head like that. And then as, you know, I went on, I was born on Halloween, which is 31. And the number just kept reoccurring. And then I'm a big wow. sports fan. And then a lot of the players that I like wore the number. So when, when me and uh, Prince picked numbers, <clears throat> You know, his favorite number was eight. We played on the high school basketball team in art school, so it wasn't really that good. Um, <laughs> and um, 13 was my number. And so it stuck with me. And that's just the basis behind that, you know. And it's cool to to, to do the awkward shit and just, I think it's hip-hop to be like, yeah, it's supposed to be bad luck, but fuck it. And it's also rock <laughs> to be like, it's supposed to be bad luck, fuck it. So that's what the 13 is about. Okay, That's so n- not to totally weird y'all out. Okay, so uh, you know, as of this recording, I don't know when this will hit the air, but as of this recording, um, I just celebrated a birthday, and someone was gracious enough to gift me um, a medium, a three-hour session with a medium. And oh wow, nice! Yeah, it was deep, man. No, 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 Farrell, not nice, not nice, Farrell. Okay, no, no, oh, okay, no. No, I'm saying that's amazing. That's no, a, I'm yeah, saying Farrell, not so the I was like, not nice, The thing not is, nice. is that, um, yeah. yeah, you know, I've also been looking at my, my, my lineage and my bloodline, which um, the Benin people of Africa are also connected to Haitians. And so I'm slowly just discovering that there is a lot of propaganda with the number 13 and also the number six, which of course, you know, we, we've been taught kind of post-colonial Christian America that, you know, 666 is the mark yeah. of the beast and sign of the mm-hmm. devil. And there's no 13th floor anywhere. None of those things. And I'm slowly realizing uh, in my, my, my studies, especially in Haitian culture that, 13 is actually uh, a holy number and it's almost as if you know the propaganda that that's been used to sort of deter you away from uh embracing it say it's evil say it, but it's Hiding actually information right it's us actually from. <laughs> a very spiritual it's, it's for african culture it's it's a spiritual number so yeah kind of everything y'all do is bad god damn <laughs> Yeah, so I, I've, I'm realizing this year that actually we need to embrace the number thirteen. Which I, when I saw the the name of the group, I was like, ah, damn, he took my my number. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Man, I didn't know that. Thirteen's my Whoop. number, damn it. 
did you um did you know marcus or uh did daru bring him aboard or to you i knew marcus uh from you know vernon reed and those cats and um family stand and he he grew up around those people and you know when it came to you know i need you know i need someone who could take it there and you know do some double time or you know do some funk you know his he he was the dude and uh i seen him play and it was like you know blue note and i was like he got that i just needed to see if he had the the edge and uh you know obviously he's a jimmy fan and and i even needed it a little more edgier than that and he he's just that dude like he he's he was a prodigy. Like I, I asked for. We're still in the beginning stages, so we don't know. But I asked for two dudes who could, if we break this ceiling and people be like, I don't know any of these guys. I don't know the fucking rapper. I don't know who any of them are. You know, uh, run the juice style. I wanted people to be like, I'm here for the fucking guitarist. I'm here for the drummer. Like the vocalist is cool, and I asked for. You know, cats that can shine like that, because I think to, you know, the goal is to take away the pretentiousness of what you get. You know, like I said, I'm trying to deconstruct, and I just got tired of seeing dudes in the front with whatever. And I'm like, I, I need to see uh, a team. So I told them, you know, I didn't want my name on this shit at all, but obviously because of algorithms. The algorithm, yeah. You know, they're like, we got to put Pharaoh in here somewhere to take advantage of your millions of people who have locked into you on Spotify mm. and all that shit. So that's what that's about. But if it was up to me, I would have just been like 13. But, you know, I'm not as stupid to run away from what I've been working on for 30 years. So that's why my name is even on the shit, you know? Yeah. Okay. Can you break down? Because I think Amir asked you, but we, you never got a chance to answer about the concept of the group and even, I mean, the videos. There, there is a concept. There's a focus, it seems. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. You... I, you know, it's just anybody who who, who has a, a brain and any empathy could just feel that uh, the system and the country is, is weighing heavy on our spirit. And when you think about how do you get back to zero, you know, it's, it's going to be some harsh ass discussions that need to happen because of the atrocities that, that this country is founded on. And so, you know, in my mind as an MC, I'm like, you know, the only real way to do that shit, the only real way to atone collectively is an exorcism, even if it's with ourselves. And I, I, as an MC, I know people would hear that word and be like, ooh, and I was like, good, mm -hmm. fuck it, you should be scared because this shit is scary that's going on. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the cleansing too, you know, and um, it's been cathartic for me as well doing it. And also, you know, we've been kumbaya and praying and all that shit for a long, long time now and holding hands. And I just wanted to just like it myself and be like, let's just come at this shit like real dark and meet the shit head on how it's coming at us because you know to, to keep information from people and to 
you know, not allow people to have loans to get homes and all the secret shit that's been going on for all these years is pretty evil. Yeah. You know, point blank. And um, I was like, how about we, we, we come down to that vibration? I know it's like light shines on the dark, but I'm like, how about we go there and throw this system a little voodoo and get a little dark with the shit? Punch I love these it. motherfuckers back in the face. Yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> hey, I I have one last question before we wrap up. Uh, Fronte, you... you okay. No, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, yeah, because I, I feel like I'll get roasted for not asking this question because we asked about, like, your history and we asked about your records and your business decisions, but the one thing I never asked um, was your actual creative process. Like, can you just give us a... You know, and I know MCs and artists have general... You know, it just comes when the spirit hits me. But do you have a do you have a specific ritual? Like, uh, do you get up in the morning? Do you like what is your what is your ritual when you are creating a song? Does it come instantly? I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a sponge. I love good conversation. I love talking to people who are, who are way more educated than I am, and listening to them and talking to them and 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 sponging and film and I, I sponge off of films like this 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 whole project is probably off of Fury Road, Logan and Joker in the sense that um, <laughs> I, I, you look at the commitment that I looked at the commitment that Joaquin Phoenix made to that film and literally went back in the studio and was like I gotta redo versus I need you to be more committed to the verse. Yeah. You were one of the first MCs I'll say too, man. Like you were one of the first cats that I really someone I respected at a time in hip hop when everybody was trying to be Jay and fifty G's I get it in one take, guru. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh I got it in one take, I got it in one take. You were one of the first cats I remember hearing saying, like, no, I treat my vocals like a performance or, you know, treat mm -hmm. it almost like an actor where it's like, you know, if I gotta do it two, three times or even if it's like comping and just okay i want to do this line oh, right here yeah. you know what i'm oh, saying yeah. and that was so mind-blowing to me and it just opened me up because that was in rap world that was thought of something that was just mm -hmm. so like oh you don't do that we just come in and rap and that's it it was never thought of uh as being a performance and treating it you know mm -hmm. like a voice actor would in the beginning because you know we couldn't afford studio time it was like you gotta knock that shit out with, with two MCs on one microphone, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, as we keep going back to context, but now it's like, do you believe yourself? You know what I mean? Like, listen back to the shit. If you ain't convincing you, you definitely ain't going to convince Fonte, Black Thought, mm -hmm. Royce, Quest, or anybody else. So just listen and see if it's, 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 it's cutting through in that sense. And if I if I could get the yeah I think I got it, then then I could let it go, and it's nothing wrong with that. Like even after Nicki Minaj came out, and I noticed how the way they were producing vocals, which mm -hmm. we, we we you know that's a part of making the record, you know they took that shit to a whole nother level. And even on some of the songs, on some of these songs, I'm like I need to you know produce the vocals. 
Am I am I getting um, am I giving away hip hop secrets? <laughs> nah, dude, yeah. man, this no. is come on, this, man. Yeah. This is what it is. Showing the different aspects of the art too, because like Fonte said, a lot of people do just think you dope if you can get it out of one take. People didn't even think that. Wait a minute, let's treat this like art. So no, thank you for that. Nah, that's real. Nah, and he's one of the most. I've never worked with Monch in the studio, but the times we have work, you know, we would just send each other stuff, whatever. I mean. He is just one of the most meticulous. Like I remember, you sent me back your verse for the We Go Off record we did for my album, and mm-hmm. you sent me that shit back. I was like, "Yo, this nigga doing sound effects. He got, <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? It was all this shit, but it was that shit was just what the fuck you know I needed, and that was why I called you like to do just that. And um, mm-hmm. you know, that was the time I remember like when we was back in. I think, man, this was even before Minstrel Show came out because you were one of the cats that we were thinking about putting on on hiding place. Um, mm-hmm. me and Pooh was talking, you know, about putting you on that record. And um and you had came to Raleigh, I think, or came to Durham and we went and got some mm-hmm. seafood or something, I can't remember, but we were just mm-hmm. talking and you was telling me about the time Desire was about to come out and you was like, Yo, man, mm-hmm. my new shit coming. And I'm about to be like Tom Jones on this bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 you you talk about, you know, the body, the body baby record. You know what I mean? But uh yeah, but yeah, I mean, you, you you hear <laughs> you you hear artists and they don't fit. It's all good. Like you're supposed to be like see if this guy fits this puzzle and this shit has to work like you know that's how it's supposed to be like you know what I mean? yeah man yeah, but everything we've done, like all the records, like you ever reached out to me for, I'm just like, anytime I have a chance to rhyme with you, I'm just like, dude, just say the word, I'm there, whatever. I don't care who produced it, yep. I don't care what it is, like I'm going head to head, and I just always appreciated the way that you just always, you know, I could, I always tell, like the, I think when we did the Black Hand Side video, that was probably the first time that I really saw, and I mean this, like in a in you know, in a in a very beautiful way, just how sensitive of an artist you were. And not like, oh man, I'm sensitive. Not like that, but just how intuitive I guess you were. And how, you know, it was and it wasn't even on no music shit. It was just mm-hmm. um we was talking I never forget this, bro. We was talking and I think we had finished shooting for the day. We only had like one scene left or something. Mm-hmm. But this was around the time when man, don't I think they hit like Gaddafi. This was when all that shit was popping on with Gaddafi, mm-hmm. and his son had got killed or some shit. It was something. I'm, yeah. I'm all the history people listening to this interview. Please don't crucify me. But I just remember someone on set came in and like delivered that news, and you were just sitting in this chair and you just looked up and you was like, "Yo, they killed Gaddafi's son." And I just would never forget the look in your face. Like, you was just like, yo, boy, these crackers ain't shit. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, you was like, that look, you was like, yo. But I just remember seeing that, and I was like, man, like, you really, you know, when you said, like, a sponge, you know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. really, I'm a, I'm I saw that empath. quality in you. You know what I mean? I'm an I'm a empath, and it, it is what it is. I don't know if that's a cool thing to even say, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. And I love this shit, man. I love, I love you. I love, I love little brother. I, I love, love you what too, y'all did. I love, I love the roots. And it's cool to say that shit. Like I'm a fan, fan. You know, now, like, bro. When you came, man. When we did DC, like we was like one of the last kind of shows we did before you know everything shut down. You know, we had booked DC the same night, and I hit you. To, I hit you. I was like, bro, I had no idea this was gonna happen because I didn't even find out to afterwards. And so mm-hmm. I hit you. You were doing uh, the Kennedy Center. We were at Howard Theater. 
And I was like, yo, I'm going to come through. I'm talking to guy in there. I'm like, yo, I'm coming through and I'm going to, you know, Kennedy rock the yeah, Pharaoh show. I'm sorry. You got to let that live for a second. You was doing the Kennedy Center. Okay, I'm sorry. Damn mm -hmm. right. You know what I mean? He was in, we was in that thing. So, <laughs> no, nah, man, I came over and, like, rocked with you. And, and you know, and then, you know, afterwards, I was like, yo, we going to the LB show. And so y'all came over. And we didn't get a chance to talk afterward. But, bro, I never got a chance to tell you, man, that shit meant so much for me and Poo to be on stage. And we looking in the back and... You know, normally in the back it might be just whoever, right? But we're looking mm -hmm. like behind where the DJ is, and it's you. I think Fame was back there from MOP. Mm -hmm. Guys back there, like it's all these dudes that we grew up listening to, watching us. Mm -hmm. And I remember guy was asking me before. He said, "Man, you know, if you want Monch to come on, you know, just just you know, we got you." I said, "Nah, bro. Like Monch, Fame. I said, man, let them niggas be fans tonight, bro. Like just." Mm -hmm. They ain't yeah, gotta man. work, you know what I mean? Just let them chill, you exactly. know what I mean? And oh, that man. meant so much to me, bro. In, I wish I could have been in the audience, but it was so packed in that motherfucker, I couldn't even go out there. Like, I, I you know, now if you'd have went out there, it would have been a problem, and, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, but like I said, man, you know, like not, you know, fuck it, man. Like, flowers, 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 you know, for what everybody, it, it's dope to just be a fan fan. It's fun to be a fan fan, you know, so. Also dope I, to hear brothers like, give yeah. love, just so y'all know. Yeah. It's dope to hear brothers give love. For real, for real. We have love. We we evolving. Niggas go to therapy. I know. Shit, that's why I'm. It's, I'm, it's I'm that's what I'm saying, but I'm giving you your flowers about giving love, brother. Like I love this new yeah. era. Y'all talked me last week, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, if you love me too, I got a Sugar Steve action figure for you for your top shelf over there. Get the fuck out of here! Are you probably do? I don't think. Yeah, he probably does. Joke. Okay, good. Okay. But uh, but nah, bro. I, I mean, I've told you time and time again. But nah, bro. You were like one of the greatest, like to ever fucking do this shit. And you're always yeah. an MC that makes me, you know, sends me back to the drawing board. And I hear shit. I'm just like, holy shit! Like I gotta step it up again. And uh, to be able to maintain that intensity for the last thirty fucking years. I mean, and and with no signs of decline or slipping off or you know i got you know i posted early i bought the uh 13 record i had a chance to listen to it yet because i've been like just running around all day but uh but nah man just from what i heard you know i mean i was like yeah Monch is doing Monch. the bars is, the shit is yeah the visuals everything is on point man and i just want to give you a flowers and just thank say you, thank you for always showing me that love i, I love you and respect thank you, you to the utmost brother yeah yeah yeah, yeah man thank Post, uh, prior to the pandemic I, i'm i was i was Difficult with compliments. After this shit, I'm soaking in all the love. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, That's my line. line. <laughs> That's my line. Yeah, but well, get your flowers, man. man. No, thank you for doing this episode. It's definitely, uh, you know, one one for the record books, one one for our 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 what do you call it? Check off the the bucket oh, list. Bucket list. Yeah. The bucket list. Right. I was about to say a notch in the bedpost. Oh, yeah. oh hell no! Nah. It ain't that, yeah. no, no, exactly. <laughs> but you is looking good over there, Mister Marsh. Though you is looking good. Yeah, but thank, <laughs> thank you for doing the show, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, of course, is, man, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm honored, man. Thank you guys for having me. I need this. I got a new record out. We 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 we. It's the first week. We, yeah. we came in at 16. We did the tiny desks. We got a lot of stuff flowing. So I appreciate mm -hmm. this, man. You know, I appreciate it. Nah, man. Shout out to God for hooking it up. Shout out my brother, God, man. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, man. Absolutely. 
All right, on behalf of uh, Unpaid Bill and Sugar Steve and Laia and Fine Table, my name is Questlove. Thank you to the great Paramount for joining us, and we will see you next week on Questlove Supreme. All right, check out later. Hey, this is Sugar Steve. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think. You should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.